Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, tennis fans. Welcome to the Yellow Ball Network, where you'll find tennis news discussions going on. This is your host, Coach Denise, exploring tennis blessings and its effects on life's journey. Tennis is a wonderful sport, which could be the vehicle that takes you through life's journey, and our mentors might provide that roadmap for your journey. For the last five-plus years, I have been blessed to be talking with mentors who have paved the pathway for many tennis players and coaches. Who are these mentors you will hear on our Thursday's broadcast? Well, the almighty willing, at least once a month, you will continue hearing either Dr. Alan Fox or Coach Chuck Reese. And then on those other uh, Thursdays, those other mentors sharing their knowledge on Thursdays will have been and gratefully will continue to be people like coaches Ashley Hobson, Bobby Palis, Dr. Bryce Young, Ed Crass, Johnny Angel, who is our mentor this evening, Nick Saviano, uh, Coach Scott Williams, Energy Coach Linda LeClaire, and others. Besides these coaches sharing their knowledge, you may also hear other college or high school tennis coaches or USTA, PTR, USPTA heads as well as leaders from tennis and racket sport organizations. Because I do believe Dr. King, when he said our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter, each week you will hear my biased views on North American tennis and life. I would like to thank Yellow Ball CEO J.P. Weber and if you're not following We Coach Tennis on uh, Facebook, you, and J.P. Weber is uh, his site, uh, you're really missing out on some useful information. Of course, the nice thing about Block Talk Radio and the Yellow Ball Network is that you can listen and anytime you'd like to any of the programming on the Yellow Ball Network. Besides our Thursday conversations, the Almighty willing, you will be able to continue. Uh, sorry, you'll be able to continue reading my articles in Florida Tennis Magazine. And as I previously stated, <coughs> excuse me, I'm sorry about that. It's slight uh, cough there. If you, as I previously stated, if you disagree or want to comment, please email me at coachdenise.fhstca at att.net. That's coachdenise.fhstca at att.net. Who knows? You may read your views in Florida Tennis Magazine or hear them on one of our future broadcasts of Coach Denise Exploring Tennis Blessings. If someone has taken the last issue of Florida Tennis from your pro shop, or you're not a subscriber, you can always read the last issue. Uh, and the last issue, this issue is out now, came out uh, last week. Uh, of the magazine by going to www 
floridatennis.com. That's www.floridatennis.com. Or in between issues, you can read Jim March, uh, some of the other uh, writers and myself's uh, information that we'll be posting uh, on Facebook at FL Tennis. That's FL Tennis. Uh, a lot going on, especially now uh, in these trying times. And uh, Florida Tennis is trying to keep you uh, updated on what's going on on Facebook. So uh, please uh, tune in there, and uh, we will keep you updated. Hang on one second. I think I see uh, our mentor today, Johnny Angel. Let me check before I go into my commentary and see. Uh, Johnny, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes, I can, Coach. I'm going to be with you in about 90 seconds, I'm going to say, okay? And I'm okay. just going to uh, get my commentary. Okay. All right. March 26th commentary is, uh, quite frankly, I'm just asking the question, is trust not the foundation of a good coach? Last week we talked about the many tools uh, that today's coaches have and how they might determine a young coach's consideration for employment. And thanks to some of you, uh, this past week I learned a few more tools. Uh, but uh, there's really were less help in making the decision of being self-employed or working for an academy or the USTA or other governing organizations, but they're all useful. All the new tennis rackets, technology, social media, virtual video teaching tools have contributed to the success of the sport explosion. But in my opinion, the common denominator in coaching remains building trust. Prior to establishing trust with your clients, one needs to build trust with themselves or the organization they're involved with. Looking forward to the tools of sports is important, but might not be the most important indicator in how to coach or manage your organization. Myself, I examined the efforts of the past successes when determining what was important. Those of you listening to my Block Talk radio broadcast know my bias of history and how it reminds of reminds us of what can be done. While my coaching philosophy has expanded over the last 50-plus years of coaching, the common denominator was learning from those successful coaches before me. In basketball, I could not get enough of the lessons of Bobby Knight or John Wooden. In the later years when I entered tennis, the tennis greats like Dennis Vandermeer, Dr. Jim Lear, Vic Braden, Pancho Segura, and others. Today I'm blessed to be able to share coaching experiences on my Coach Denise Exploring Tennis Blessings with mentors like Alan Fox, uh, Chuck Reese, Ashley Hobson, Bobby Palis, Dr. Bryce Young, Linda LeClaire, and of course today we have Johnny Angel on, and others. They share their expertise with you. Today, many are looking for a lifeline, 
And I'm going to suggest that history might be that lifeline. The lessons from history, including sports history, have provided many reminders of what can be done. Nelson Mandela reminded us that it always seems impossible until it is done. And, of course, one of my father's lessons, which admittedly took uh, many years for me to learn, uh, was that when I talk, I only share what I know. And when I listen, I will learn more. I suspect those of you reading some of my articles in Florida Tennis Magazine have observed the different views from one page to another page, and on occasion, even an opposing view. I, like the editor, suggest you study all sides of an issue. Maybe the next time you talk with our editor and founder of Florida Tennis Magazine, Jim March, you might ask if his thought process was not similar to Earl Nightingale's. Remember when he said, whatever we plant in our subconscious mind and nourish with repetition will one day become reality. Today's young coaches will add new thoughts and strengths to our sport, build it on its history, and future students of our game will face similar and new challenges as we did. One of my earlier reminders of my philosophy of coaching was from Vince Lombardi, who reminded us that the best coaches are are coaching more than just a game, they're coaching life. Communication and time are essential components of the past and might be the quickest way to get to the job at hand. Building trust in yourself or your organization is a continuing learning journey. And even more important than sharing what you've learned is listening to what others have to share. Don't let the thunder distract you because the calm after the storm can be beautiful. That's it's your advantage. These are my views. Uh, the views expressed might not reflect those of Block Talk Radio, the Yellow Ball Network, or Block Talk, Black, uh, Florida Tennis Magazine, but uh, this is what I think, and I'm blessed to have a gentleman on today uh, who is a longtime PTR member. He's also an ITA, USTA, and WTA member, and he's one of those registered uh, WTA coaches uh, who've had who we've had on before, uh, so I'm going to suggest that from now until the end of the broadcast, he's going to be doing most of the talking, and uh, I think it'll pay for all of us to listen. Johnny, are you there? I'm here. How are you? I'm blessed, thank you. Yourself? I'm good. Uh, let's start off with a little bit about uh, COVID-19 in tennis. And um, I think that uh, a lot of the tennis facilities that are still teaching are doing a disservice. And let me explain why. Uh, there was a study that was completed that focused on almost 3,000 pediatric patients 
who either tested positive with COVID-19 or were suspected of having it. While most of those kids are less likely to experience severe illness with COVID-19 than adults, it doesn't mean that kids don't fall ill to the virus. Here are some of the findings. Nearly 6% of the children experienced severe or critical illness compared with 18.5% of adults that needed hospitalization. More than 60% of the kids who got really sick were five years old or younger. More than 10% of them, 40 babies, were under 12 months old. Now, more than a third of the kids, they just basically had uh, pneumonia, which isn't pleasant, frequent fever, dry coughs, diarrhea, and low oxygen levels. Um, It's foolish to think that when we have this virus that is spreading rapidly through the population, that we can continue to give tennis lessons. So I implore everybody, stop teaching. Keep the kids off the court until this gets under control because the more we're learning about this disease, uh, the more dangerous it's becoming. The more danger is obvious. And so I'll get off my soapbox about that because there are some people in my area that are still teaching, and uh, they seem to think that uh, keeping 10 kids six feet away from each other is possible without um, the transmission of any virus. Now, I don't know how everyone else feels about that. That's open for discussion. But I will tell you, this does not uh, involve parties anymore, either Democrat or Republican. This is about public safety and health. This is not about the economy. This is about people and young people staying healthy and surviving. Now, I'll end this little part of it with one thing. I would hate to see a nine-year-old child or a 10-year-old child or a 14-year-old child come down with COVID-19 and damage their lungs 30, 40% and not be able to compete anymore, only because I was more concerned on getting my private lesson fee or my group fee. So I know a lot of guys are not teaching, smart thing to do. The ones that are teaching, please stop until this gets under control. Do you have any comments on that, John? Well, I'm, uh, I have mixed reactions. Uh, I, I, like in Florida, we closed the beaches. Uh, I'm not sure how healthy uh, their beaches are. I like walking on the beach. I'm blessed to live near one, so uh, I enjoy it. I understand getting being close to each other. For me, it was an easier decision than other. I don't like to tell others what to do. Uh, but uh, when uh, I'm approaching 80 years old, uh, I, I, I was more upset with uh, the gym closing down because I figured they'd say the people over 80 and the, the people that have health issues are in more danger. Uh, so being I'm approaching 80 selfishly, I was trying to stay healthy uh, before I reached the next birthday of mine. But uh, I shut down my operation when part of it under the influence of uh, the USTA. Uh, I think organizations have to make a decision. I respect their decisions. It was easier for me because approaching 80, uh, 
you know, quite frankly, I have less clientele than most people. The people that come to me uh, know they're not getting a hitting partner. They're getting a coach. And, uh, you know, I felt it was a good time to uh, get new balls and you, you get the equipment I need and, and clean up and you get my toolbox ready for when I go back on. So I'm, I tend to agree with you. Uh, I, I do I, – I'm, I'm not ready. You know, by nature, you know, I'm uh, a free enterprise person and freedom is a great – Things so I I I'm, I don't like the socialist views with telling people just like I've talked many times about our organizations uh, representing us and I think they should be listening to us but I think this is a good time to listen to the USTA and the USTA Florida and you so uh, you know I'm going to leave the rest to you. Okay. Um... Pathways. Well, where are we going with this? Are we trying to reinvent the wheel? Uh, I have Good mixed question. feelings about. I have uh, mixed feelings about this. Now, I've been in the same location for 26 years until we got hit. I had to. I shut up everything. I shut up everything. Excuse me. I shut. I shut down everything. Uh, when the virus scare came, uh, I have a contract with the county. So, you know, all of the county organization was shutting down. And we basically said we were going to shut down for 30 days and reconvene on April 15th. Now, I do do the whole pathway system. I do red ball, green ball, orange ball, yellow ball. The problem I have with this is, is as you know, the most successful coaches in the world coach the whole person. You right. just can't. I've I've talked to kids uh, that I have a lot of kids, new children that were coming, that had been in the yellow ball program, uh, red ball program, and I asked them. I said, "Well, why did you stop and then come to me?" Because one thing that I do do is I talk. I don't. I establish common ground with kids. I ask them how they're doing, how is school, where they go to school at. Uh, what they, uh, what's their favorite movie? What, what do they do when they're not playing tennis and, and doing homework? And I try to build that relationship on common ground. Once the trust is established, you can move forward um, into some serious coaching. Now, not every kid's going to want to be a high school player. Not every kid's going to want to play college or go on the tour. Some will, some won't. Uh, the uh, high school players might just want to stay in high school. Some just want to be a recreational player. Some want to want to be college players, and some want to be professional players. Guess what? Bulletin. We train them all the same way because it's really their decision. It's their decision what they want to do with their tennis. And I do something quite unique, and I'm, I don't know if you realize that my, um, I went to, uh, I'm at University of South Florida. I, I still attend that in behavioral, uh, behavioral research. Uh, I went to Oxford. And um, my mentor, I shouldn't say mentor, my tutor 
well, I guess he could call him a man, but won the Nobel Prize in Physiology. And uh, one of my other tutors um, uh, won the Nobel Prize in uh, Comparative Psychology. That's what they call it in this country. In England, it's called Ecology. And um, one of my tutors uh, uh, actually uh, was Watson from Watson and Crick with DNA and RNA. So when I was young, when I was young, I, I, my thought process and my critical thinking was shaped by these people. Now, one thing that I do do for my high school to, students that live here, like we're in Florida, is I help them with their bright futures hours. So I'm going to drift back now to the pathway program. Uh, I have some children or a group of kids that are ADHD. I have some that have learning disabilities. So what we do is we provide tennis for them. And it's not simple. And the high school students that are uh, taking psych in high school, uh, they're getting valuable experience on how to deal, take data, um, how to see whether or not a behavioral approach is working, whether or not the learning paradigm is correct. And so we do that part as well. But back to what the kids told me. The kids said, I asked them, I said, well, why didn't you stay there? It's a nice place, you know. And he said, I don't like being talked to like I'm three years old. I don't like people standing in front of me go, hey, honey, don't worry, you'll get it. And I kind of looked at him. I didn't laugh. I mean, it was kind of hard not to, but true. And, uh, I said, how do you feel about that? I mean, how did it make you feel, man? And he looked at me and goes, I'm not a little kid. I said, but you're seven years old. I said, I respect that. I said, but you're still seven. He said, yes, well, you can talk to me. I can read and write. <laughs> so I let it go. I let it go. Um, kids today are different than kids in our time. They require a lot more interaction, and they require a lot more maintenance. They're actually kind of high maintenance. And I found that the more common ground you establish with them, the better it gets, the more they trust you. Uh, Like with the high school kids that I've had since they were seven or eight that are not playing high school, some are going to go play college tennis. Having them involved in something that is totally different from tennis. I'll, I'll tell you what we did. Uh, we did, I took the high school tennis players and uh, turned them into critical thinkers. And one of the things, I had them pick a project. And I um, strung this up with the Florida Association of Behavioral Analysts, which I'm a member and have a lot of friends there. And um, what we did was, for the animal behavior group, is we did a study on coyotes and how the human interference in the environment, uh, the human interference in the interference in the environment affected uh, the coyote population and what uh, humane ways can we develop to uh, control it. Now that's something totally different away from tennis. Okay. But I will tell you that the bond that we had, and then let me back up one second. Then each of them, I presented that research to uh, the Florida Association of Behavioral Analysts at the conference, and each student had the opportunity to talk through four slides. Now, 
it's kind of hard for, you know, it was kind of hard for them because for me to take my tennis coach off and put on my professor cap, but uh, it really strengthened the bond quite a bit. Now, when they came back, we started dealing a lot more with bringing that programs and modifying the, the uh, USDA programs to uh, use with children with ADHD and learning disabilities and hyperactive children. And we've been quite successful, and we have a lot of data on it. Um, and I found that, and this is going to sound probably uh, – Guys are going to go, oh, no, oh, wow. I found that the easiest way to do this, and Dennis Vandermeer had this down when Dennis was alive. And Dennis, as you know, was a good friend of mine. And he used a shaping method, which was, if you remember, it was uh, first you started with two rackets, and you tried to hit the racket, and then it was turn, racket back and down, step, contact point, follow through. Do you remember all of that? Yep. 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 So we use that quite a bit and uh, variations of that. And obviously we, it's a lot more sophisticated now than it was back then, but we do, we still use that. Now, one thing I do do is we try to get them off of the red ball, orange ball, green ball as quick as possible. Now here's where the problem that I have. I don't understand why the USDA is making us keep these kids in red ball, ball, and green ball for so long. And I know that you know as well as I do that most kids are, you've seen children that are 11, I'm sorry, 10 years old, 10 and under, that can very well play with 14-year-old kids. Yeah. (laughs) And they can play with 12-year-old kids, and they do quite well. Yeah. So what do we do about them? They can't compete because they won't let them play up. Uh, they have to stay in that grouping. Um, I think that's uh, disingenuous. I really do. I think that that kids get bored after that. You know, uh, they start to get bored when they don't. When their competitive drive isn't fulfilled, they will tend to leave the game. Um, I don't know. How do you feel about that? Well, I I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think one of the uh, problems, I think the people in the, the USTA, they all mean well. They're, we have a lot of great people there. But we're humans, and sometimes, you know, this is a tough time. I mean, just looking at our country now and compromising, and we need a bill, and then some of the compromising isn't compromising. It's throwing other things in. I think, unfortunately, there's people there that are just trying to please to get ahead so they don't say anything. And I think we do have to communicate our thoughts. Uh, and I think it's important. There, we, we forget the most simple thing is that we're human beings and we're all different. So to sit there and say that if you're this age, you have to do this. It's just, to me, that makes no sense at all because there's some people at that age that are well advanced and there's some people that at that age that are well advanced aren't going to continue for, well, you know probably better than I do, for probably a hundred different reasons. 
But, um, you know, yeah, we sit there and say this is how it is. I think it, I think it's important to have a basic foundation of this is how you teach, but then you got to let these people go on. I, I know my wife, you know, like I've been into the competition and for years, and that was my priority. My wife was with a 10 and under year program before it was 10 and under. One of the problems almost cost me a divorce was the program was renamed three times. We were involved in it when the ITF had it before the USTA had it, and the names were changed. And uh, being on the USTA Florida Board of Directors at the time, they're saying, well, you have to change the name. And I would tell my wife, and then they would change it again. But those high school kids that aren't looking to play college, just having them come back and work with the 10 and unders on Saturdays, those volunteers, those kids, and you see how them working with other kids, how it enhances their skills, I think is phenomenal. So you don't know what these kids are going to do. And and I think we, we that's one of the problems that I have is when we say, this is how you have to do this. People ask me, why don't you write a book about how to coach high school tennis? Well, this is what worked for me, but it doesn't mean it's going to work for you. You have to find out who you are. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, kids today, uh, and I don't want to sound overly critical, uh, they are have to be rewarded 24-7. Uh, if they're not happy 24-7, they think something's wrong with themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you step back and you say to yourself, okay, why are they this way? All right. And what can I do to get them to think outside the box a little bit, you know, and to be content with their own performance? So, yes, when someone's first learning the game, we use a very modified version of Dennis's old thing. Uh, It's always worked. It's worked for 26 years. Uh, We're constantly modifying it and changing it, but the foundation is the same is what I'm trying to say. Right. Right. Um, Now, the most important thing, though, gets back to learning doesn't happen when the student doesn't trust you. Mm -hmm. And this is so important. I don't care, you know, I don't care if you can walk on water. Learning will not happen if the student doesn't trust you. And sometimes you have to think about um, how are you going to get to uh, how are you going to get to from A to B? What's the pathway? How can I, if I see some behavior that is starting to rear its <clears throat> rear its ugly head and getting out of control, how can I redirect that? You know, uh, it's differential reinforcement with alternative uh, stimulus. But, you know, the uh, when you look at it that way uh, and you're on top of it and you're teaching the game, you can instill that desire to want to compete. When you make competition fun, that's why I have boys play with girls. You know, mm-hmm. and boys, uh, and this is this is a touchy subject because, when the boys get a little out of control, yeah, I talk to them and I tell them, you need to tone it down a little bit. I mean, uh, you can hit hard from the baseline, but if, when they come to the net, don't try to hit them in the head, you know, because uh, boys will be boys. 
uh, girls um, will be girls. Uh, so that's always kind of a, a, a balancing act. But I've had a way of doing it by keeping it common. You know, um, the one thing I do do with my adult players, which is I thought that I can't remember the gal who was teaching a clinic and I happened to see it was using red ball, red ball, orange ball. I use both and I have my better players play inside the box on put away points and see how fast they can get the rally going. So the advanced players, they like to use it. We use it productively. Now, once the younger ones see the bigger ones doing it, then they want to do the same thing, you know? So right. uh, there's many different ways to, to induce uh, this type of um, uh, training and using those kind of tools. But I want to get back to the, the premise at hand. If you treat your players artificially, like you're just there for the buck or you're just there to be a do-gooder, you're barking up the wrong tree. They don't buy it. I'm serious. They're not in there for the long, they're not in there for the long term. If you use those tools that the USTA has put out there and you're constantly building on it, you'll become very, very successful. But you have to not be afraid to move them to yellow ball as quickly as possible. Uh, I know a lot of people are going to disagree with that. Well, so be it. Uh, but, you know, the, uh, that's, that's what life is. That's what reality is. And I think you touched on something that is quite important, and that is we have a lot of great people at the USD. There's a lot of guys there that I've known in the high-performance section for a long time. And, yes, I'm sure some of them are doing the yes routine in order to keep their jobs. Uh, things are changing. But are we trying to reinvent the wheel? All right, now we've got 90 classifications, you know, silver, gold, pearl, I don't know, all these types of things. Now we have um, uh, all these different certifications, Um High performance one, amateur, adult. Uh, I I don't remember all of them, uh, but there are so many of them that it's now becoming confusing to the general public. I've always been an and advocate. I think it's becoming meaningless too, though. And to, 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 I'm sorry yeah. to interrupt you, but I think we have way too much. It's, if you're going to do something like that, then you better consider how not to eliminate half of your coaching staff because half of the people couldn't afford to go through it. One of the things we tried to do years ago with the Florida High School Tennis Coaches Association when I was running it, that you can go up and become different levels of certification, not by giving us a penny more, but we got human kinetics to sit there and give credit for certain things and, we could verify if you said you did this, this, and that with human kinetics and you send it to us, I could contact human kinetics and they would say, oh, yes, Johnny Angel, he's been through all them. Good. You, had to, you went to the next level. If you went to USTA and everything. I think it's time for the USTA, the USPTA, and the PTR to start considering. And it's a challenge. It's a big, big challenge is how – to offer these things 
at a reasonable cost. And that's a big challenge for them. I realize that. But we're just knocking too many young people out of the equation and we're passing out titles that titles no longer mean anything like they used to. Oh, absolutely. I I don't disagree. I I think they need to consolidate it more rather than expand it more. The educational Mm -hmm. content needs to be um, expanded uh, even further than what it is based upon Mm -hmm. empirical science. But certifications need to be condensed because there's just too many of them. So, um, and I think the USPTA more so than the PTR. The PTR seems to go on more in that direction with more certifications. The USPTA, not so much. Um, But I'll tell you one thing. I belong to both organizations. And as you know, I've been a member of the USPTR, the PTR now, for uh, over 25 years. Uh, every nope. anniversary that I, every 10 year anniversary, do I ever get a thank you for being a member? Yeah. It's the little things that count. Um, do I ever hear, uh, uh, to, uh, well, I don't want to be negative. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'll just let that. I don't feel the personal touch is how it used to be is what I'm saying. And, uh, it's become uh, to the point now where I have to admit that the USPTA, their president, sent me an email. And uh, in that email, uh, uh, in that email, it was, what can I do for you? And it, I don't, it wasn't like one of the mass general emails that, was, um, that had all the badges on it and everything and all the pictures. It was just an email. And uh, I was impressed by that because I felt some, some sincerity and empathy. Now, what did I get from the PTR? I got, hey, we got 90 new courses for you to take. I'm not thinking about taking courses, buddy. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about I'm, I'm thinking about surviving right now and not getting sick and making sure my students aren't getting sick. And in the, by the same token, I'm catching up on expanding my knowledge base at the same time. Right. It's a good opportunity. John Emery is a very impressive person. I've been blessed to be at conferences uh, with him and uh, when I was running the state high school organization, uh, traveled to Texas and around, and he, uh, he listens and he's willing to work and and, of course, uh, you know, I think that's, getting back to my point, is that we've got to listen to each other. Yes, we have to give our opinions, but, and, you know, truthfully, I often wonder, I did receive a clock in my 25th uh, PTR anniversary. Uh, the last couple of years I, I haven't I, attended the thing. I wonder if the 30th or plus, if there's anything. But... Uh, you know, you, you, we do become creatures of habits that human. And, and when I got involved, and like I said to John Emery, and, uh, who I respect very much, and uh, when I got involved in tennis, I was a basketball coach, and the USPTA was a 
good old boy network. They weren't an educational network, and the PTI was an educational network. And I knew from coaching for many years in basketball that I better learn more about tennis. But if I was a young coach today, I said it before, I belong to both organizations. And even that comes back to what I was just talking about. Our problem is of cost. That means it costs more money to belong to both organizations. Uh, I think that's something. Go ahead. No, I I agree with you. I I just, uh, you mentioned basketball and, uh, I want to tell you a quick little story. Not to, I just want to digress for a second, and you'll appreciate this. Um, I have a friend that played on the Super Bowl Bears, and as you know or may not know, I'm originally from Chicago, and, and um, he said to me one day, he said, hey, man, I saw this guy. He's playing uh, with the Bulls. He just got there. He said, you want to go watch the game with me? I got two tickets. You know, and he got it from another player. I said, sure, man, let's go. So we went down there, and here was Michael Jordan. And Michael had uh, still had some semblance of hair. <laughs> and uh, he he played a great game. This guy had like a three-foot vertical leap. It was just incredible. And so afterwards, my friend said to me, he said, well, he said, we're going to go to dinner. We've been in, invited to dinner. Do you want to go to that with me? And I said, sure. So uh, Chuck Skorsky was there. He was the, uh, a, a sports commentator for WGN and some other people, as I remember. And somebody looked at Michael and said, uh, hey, Mike, how can you play with that intensity and play that way? And Michael looked right and lifted his head as he was putting the food in his mouth and said, I raise everybody to my level and then I try to bump mine one higher and that's where I get the rush. Very good. Yep. I was I was like, whoa. <laughs> so yeah. if you looked at Michael Jordan and half the coaches from one organization and half would say, oh, yes, Michael works a thousand times each day and it's driven in his work ethic and that's what makes him successful. And then you have another set of coaches who kind of get it, would say, yes, I understand exactly where you're at. So Michael, I – was talking to one of the trainers there from the Bulls, and they said Michael will go there, and if he fails, he will sit there on the court and t- do three pointers till midnight until he feels that he is uh, satiated, that that he's accomplished is what he wanted to do, and then he goes home and he won't talk about it for days. I, the reason I bring that up is is that back to this pathway thing, players play for different reasons. And when you have the trust, you can identify the reasons why they want to play. And then you can build on that relationship. Um, Phil Jackson, I mean, you're a basketball guy, used to make Mm -hmm. them watch movies before big games. Right. Uh, You know, so will that work for everybody? No. It didn't work for Rodman, but he still played well, but it worked for Michael. So, you know. So, again, it's the relationship we have with our players. Now, I think the PTR, the USPTA, the USTA needs to get on that bandwagon. How do we better the relationship with players? And, you know, uh, you knew we were in trouble when everybody embraced pickleball. 
<laughs> as the next <laughs> as the next coming of Christ. You know, you, you knew that we were in trouble. Uh, you know, the industry was not being very transparent because everybody went crazy with that. You know, and they said, "Oh my God, pick a ball! Yes, let's put the courts in. Let's do that." Well, what happened to tennis along this road? Now, I agree, pickleball is a good sport. And maybe when we have some people uh, that, and I could see actually using it to improve some hand-eye coordination with younger players and stuff that are playing tennis. Um, I could see it with old people, older older folks who who can't play the, the big court anymore. Okay. But well, I'm it. biased. I might be biased, and I'm, I'm getting older, and I'm fighting not being old. But I, I just, I can't get on a pickleball court because number one, the skill, as far as I'm concerned, has nothing to do with tennis. Number two, there is games like platform tennis that feather box yeah, and a lot of other people play that relate. That doesn't relate. And the USTA, there were people like myself that invented a, a get we didn't nothing invented, but we developed a game, and uh, it was originally called 66 Tennis, and it was used with the green ball, and we used the uh, court, uh, shorten the court, shorten the wide legs, because I had one of my uh, clients at 80 years old, she started playing tennis. At 84, she broke her hip, and uh, we developed a, a game for them. I went to New Orleans uh, at a PTR meeting. I brought it up, uh, and uh, I was, uh, you know, told we had more input. The USTA said, well, we're trying to get the tenant under program, so we got to hold off on that. Well, we held off, and a game called Pickleball, uh, you know, wound up taking off. And we could be playing that with a tennis racket and using the 60-foot uh, court Absolutely. Uh, to do it to play doubles. So this is a perfect example uh, of when people are afraid to speak up or afraid to the assumption being, if it came from, for some reason, the people that were in control at that time felt the people on top didn't want to introduce anything else. And then that's why I say we've got to be able to keep talking and we have to be able to keep listening. So uh, I'm sorry to go off, but that's a sore subject with me because we should be building more tennis courts. I'm on the Park and Rec Commission in our community, and we just built more pickleball facilities. And when we should have been building more tennis facilities, and we could use the same thing for the older people. Notice I no, didn't I say old. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. And uh, I just, when I see that, I think to myself, I'm sure the intention is right to build revenue, mm-hmm. but is but is the approach right? And and uh, how do you get that balance? How do you keep everybody satisfied? Yeah. You know, our industry, and I'm going to say this, and a lot of people are going to probably disagree, our industry is in turmoil right now. And it's a little, uh, it's like if we don't stop the leaks in the ship, we're going to sink. 
and uh, pickleball is not the way to do that. Um, again, how we're going to save this industry is by relationships and trust and uh, igniting that trust to you'll watch the money come. You know, you'll watch when I'll give you a, I'll give you an example that is one of my hot spots. Okay, I'm a WTA registered coach. Uh, Dennis Vandermeer and Pat Vandermeer and myself went through that program along with Nandra Barris. We all went through that program together. Uh, we had to sign these things with the United States Olympic Committee. We had to be endorsed by players in the top 100, uh, blah, blah, blah. When I went to – when we were at the U.S. Open with my player and uh, – uh, I said to someone from the USDA, I said, look, um, do you have any good competitive juniors that are here? Maybe they're competing in the junior U.S. Open, and, and um, we'd like to use them as a hitting partner um, as long as they use it as an opportunity to play against a better player and they don't try to beat my player and then kind of listen to instruction. We'd love to do that. One of those players that we used was Vanny King. Vanya King, you remember her? Yeah, wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, so that was one of the players. And uh, the uh, the cool thing about it was is that there was so much cooperation going on. Now, I don't know what changed, um, uh, and I don't know. Uh, we need to get back to that place where we're cooperating with each other, where ideas are being tossed around, and people aren't chastised for saying something, and, you're not labeled a troublemaker and that we need to have good, productive, uh, apolitical discussions, how we can advance the, the industry. And no one thing is going to advance it. If anything comes out of this time that we're speaking, I want the audience to realize that the pathway is useful, but you got to build on it. It's not right. carbon stone. If you don't build on it and you don't use it creatively, you will not be successful with it. And the Number pathway, two. truthfully, the pathway is not the USTA pathway. The pathway was developed in Europe long before yeah. they adopted it. And, uh, you know, and it was successful. But you have to build on these things. This is what I say. I think the history and talking. I think back to, you know, when I replaced Jorge as the uh, president of, uh, well, at that time when we were U.S. Uh, PTR by station, we were the Florida one. And some of the things that he was doing, and he, when I came aboard, he asked me to get involved with that. We all have our own biases and what we think is important. When you replaced me as the third president of the U.S. PTR, my whole thing was on high school tennis and when i asked you to you know come to the uh training for the high school coaches i think you did it twice if i remember it's been a long yeah. time ago but i remember right. you coming to daytona once yep i think you were at another one but you know you yep. did it partly out of because it was something i started but you know you have your own ideas and you just you you build and then expand on these things we're not looking to build and expand on things no more. We're looking to change too much. And change is difficult, and, 
and it's needed. But I think it's easier to build off of something that there's already a foundation with rather than just say, no, let's abandon that and we're going to go do this now. We're going to develop pickleball because we need to take more money in to the organization. That, I don't know. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, as a high school coach or as a formal high, former high school coach, if you're still mm-hmm. not doing it, no. um, how did how did you feel about the no cut policy? You know that was kind of a a sore subject because oh, I got okay. turned into I'm the sorry. USTA because they said I wasn't run. I was one of the original people that had a no cut, uh, but I ran before the start of the uh, practice. The first practice I ran a player meetings before so we could get to know each other. I, the things you're talking about, I was doing years ago. So the first Wednesday in September was the player pyramids. The first Wednesday in October, the first Wednesday in November. Those that chose to stay with us signed the contract, and then we started practicing in December not with a tennis racket because that would have been against the uh, FHSAA rules, but doing conditioning, doing mental training, still trying to get to know each other. And, uh, you know, I had, I was turning into the USA, but he's really, he's cutting those people. No, people are making the decision that they want to be part of the team. And I would say to them, we're going to, this is a contract that You'll sign, and I'm going to ask you not to do it until the uh, third meeting because you might want that, but your child might want that. And you can, you learn a lot. You learn about each other. They learn about me. I learn about them. And, uh, you know, it's a, I remember when my wife retired from Morgan Stanley and uh, she became one of my associate coaches, in the first meeting she went to, I said, now someone's going to give you the uh, contract at the end of the first meeting. I said, don't take it. It's not until the third meeting. And sure enough, you know, someone would come up and they would hand out that while I was still talking with people. And, you know, they said, well, I'm sure Coach wouldn't do anything. She said, God, I've been married to him. I forgot how many years at that time. He said, I'm not sure of anything he does in the one meeting. You're sure? Uh, <laughs> I wish I could feel hilarious. that way. So, you know, well, but I bet I, I was actually said people, you know, said, oh, he doesn't run a no-cut program. Yes, I did. I didn't say you're not working. I didn't say, you, you know, one of the last questions in that third month was, what do you have to contribute to the team? No, you didn't have to be a star tennis player. But you had to contribute. Oh, absolutely. How did you feel about the no, there are, everybody's a winner part? Oh, I hate it. Okay. I, I, I don't yes. believe in it. I think it's, it's part of our, you know, I think we're, it's too easy to blame our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. It's not dumb. It's part of it's what's happened to our education system and that we forget that it's repetition was one of the values. Sports used to be 
an important part of the lessons that you learn. Uh, but now it's just, uh, and that's why I asked that question many times when I start the broadcast. Does your high school, do they, is high school tennis an after school activity or is it an after school sport? And after school activities are important. I'm not saying you don't need them. But if you could have an after school sport, I think there's more qualities that can be produced there than it can be in an after-school activity where you're just babysitting people. Oh, I agree. I agree. And, and, and that is, comes back to, uh, it comes back to the point that it's all about trust. It's all about the relationship with the players. It's finding common ground with the players. It's having an instructional program that uh, builds and works off some simple premises that, uh, can lead into a more intricate, complicated, or complex training program that leads on to fulfillment. However, along that entire pathway is all sorts of positive reinforcement. And that positive reinforcement isn't necessarily, oh, don't worry, darling, you'll, you'll get it next time. That positive reinforcement can be done by collecting data, making the player part of the process rather than coach the, let the player dictate where he wants to be. And, I, and, and you've heard me say this many times before. If you're a baseline player and you hate going to the net, I'm going to train you to be the very best play, baseline player there is. However, right. you still got to learn how to come to the net and finish the point. It's up to you. It's your choice whether or not you want to use that. But if I tell you that you're going to be – a serve and volley player and force you to do that, you'll never take ownership. You'll never be right. good at it because on a subcortical level, you'll be hating my guts and want to rip my face off. Um, nope. Back to, back to that pathway quickly. So if we follow that and we're building and that relationship is getting stronger and stronger and the trust is getting stronger. And if you have the ability to do, other activities outside of tennis at tennis with your student that builds better, uh, uh, better relationships. But for me, I have to make sure that the relationship that I'm building and what I'm doing with the student is um, going to have a good outcome. In other words, it's, it's going to be meaningful. It has to be uh, uh, objective John, did you hear? John, excuse me a second. I don't know if you. I messed up evidently, or my computer is frozen because it says we have 21 minutes and 18 seconds. And did you just hear that? We have 60 seconds. Okay. So, all right. I apologize, but in 10 seconds, we're going off the air. Next week, we have Alan Fox here. John, we will continue this at another time. I don't know what to do now. This has never happened to me. I don't know. I'm assuming it's my computer that's frozen because it says 21 minutes. Stay safe. Be well. And uh, we'll talk another time. Okay. You too. I don't know what I'm going to do now. Take care. Bye. Bye.